That's definitely hurt the community as far as the competition build out in, in that area. And I think CenturyLink for that purpose definitely won. This is episode 256 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Building a new internet network requires expertise, planning, and funding. It's especially difficult for new entrants in a market where incumbents have a foothold, and rules may work in their favor. In this interview with Doug Seacat from Clear Networks, we learn about some of the challenges his company's faced as it's worked to bring better connectivity to Region 10 communities in Colorado. Christopher met up with Doug recently at the Mountain Connect Conference in Colorado to talk about Doug's experience. Check out what services the company offers at clearnetworx.com. Now here's Christopher with Doug Seacat. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell. Today I'm coming at you from Mountain Connect in lovely Keystone, Colorado. And I'm here with Doug Seacat, the owner of Clear Networks. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So you are from Ridgeway. I'm actually from Montrose, Colorado. It's uh, about 20 miles south or north of Ridgeway. Right. So we're going to be talking about Ridgeway. This is kind of, this is hardcore Western Rocky Mountains, right? You've got a famous gorge right by there, right? Yeah. Well, Black Canyon's just right up the road. Yes. And, and we have broadband issues just like everybody else. So tell me about Clear Networks. What is Clear Networks? Well, I've owned a company, uh, actually Deeply Digital, for about 14 years in Montrose, and we service uh, all the different communities around there. We take care of the, the schools and, and community area um, as far as the uh, governments and stuff there. So Montrose, uh, Ridgeway, Uray are, are where we've been working for the last 14 years. And we started Clear Networks about four years ago to provide uh, better internet because a lot of our customers didn't have that. And so in the last four years, we've been building out fiber for the most part in those communities with some wireless to get to some of the outside areas that we couldn't serve with the, the fiber. And you're a private company. You're not really, you know, you don't get municipal money. You're not a municipal government or anything like that. Just a standard company. That's right. We, we had one big customer that needed served and, uh, they called Centronic, asked for some service. Centronic gave them a quote and, and started the project. We approved the project. And, you know, I was working as an IT consultant for DP Digital for that customer. And uh, Centronic got there and said, well, I cannot provide service like we thought we could. So it's not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> so I said, well, I guess we'll figure it out. So we ran about two miles of fiber um, then for that customer. And, and at that time, we went to both the city and uh, our local power company. They had some fiber also in those areas, and we needed some um, connections from them, which uh, they asked me to go into. There was another another uh, private company that was working on some fiber for a school at the same time in town. So they asked both of us to work together. If we would work together, then, then the city and the power company would also work with us. So we kind of joined a new company, which was Clear Networks at that time. And the power company and city gave us some access to some conduit and fiber that we needed to make those two connections happen. And that's really where we started. We, we had about four miles of fiber at that point with their, their two miles and, and our two miles. And, and what's that power company? DMEA. Right. We've talked about them a little bit. Delta Montrose Electric Association, a, a co-op that's doing a lot of interesting things. That's right. Um, also. So fast forward four years, they've uh, 
talked about now purchasing us and, and we've been building fiber for those last four years and now they're interested in, in taking us on and, and working with us to continue that effort. Right. But what brings us to this discussion and why Ridgeway was on my brain was uh, that you sought some state funding to be able to serve Ridgeway with fiber networks that was available. And I would term it as you ran into a buzzsaw. You kind of got screwed by the, the Public Utility Commission. I guess just briefly, what's this? What's the fund that you are seeking money from to be able to expand uh, in Ridgeway? Well, I got some emails from several different entities in the community, uh, the you know, the county officials sent me an email, forwarded an email about the Colorado Broadband Fund. There was $2.4 million uh, set aside for smaller uh, private companies for uh, to build out last mile. Um, the DOLA funds were kind of set aside for middle mile, and this was supposed to be kind of a piece, I think, on top of that to, to get that fiber out to the the last mile needs. And so we were kind of excited. We had already started a little bit of an idea with Ridgeway and, and URA both, and we looked at both those communities and decided that Ridgeway was maybe our best opportunity to, to get some funding for. And so we worked with the city and county officials there and came up with a plan to provide fiber to every home in Ridgeway City and the outlying areas around Ridgeway right there. And then to also provide some LTE fixed wireless to some of the further um, subdivisions that we couldn't, didn't feel like we could reach with fiber. And uh, we worked pretty hard. That was the first grant we'd ever gone for or even thought about trying for. And, you know, we're not grant experts by any means, but we knew how to build a fiber network. And so we thought we'd try it. And I remember staying up super late, (laughs) several nights putting together that thing and had some great help with you know a few of our employees and we just we put together something that looked fairly official and, and sent it in and, and a few weeks later we found out we you know that we had won that grant and so we were very excited but we knew there was some appeal processes that had to happen or would most likely happen and which did and so we you know went through those and it was a little bit of a challenge we had to go through that process. So Ridgeway is a small mountain community. Um, you know, it, it already is served by CenturyLink, the telephone company that serves most of Colorado. Um, but it's it's a few hundred people. Uh, what's the demographics of it like? Yeah, the the population of Ridgeway is about a thousand fifty or so. Uh, we had come with the numbers that we'd come up with were about five hundred sixty five buildings in that community. And so we were planning on reaching those buildings and those businesses, homes and businesses both, uh, with fiber. And so here's where we get into, I think, more of the the policy issue that I find insanely frustrating, which is the power of the, the CenturyLink in this case, but generally big cable and telephone companies to shape the law. Colorado um, has implemented what we call a right of first refusal to this uh, grant program. We've seen this in many states where basically – you know, you spend all this time as a small company figuring out how to connect this community with fiber. In good faith, you present it, you win the award, and then CenturyLink gets to appeal and say, uh, actually, you have to give the money to us because we were here first and we are um, now going to do something there. Even though we weren't going to build in Ridgeway before, now we will basically because A, we'll get money to do it from the state and B, we'll prevent competition by, from this other firm, uh, Clear Networks, that would have gone in uh, with the money to, to build the network. And that's, 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 that's a right. correct characterization. <laughs> yeah, well, and I definitely didn't understand it at first. I knew there was 
there was this first right refu- of refusal, and, and what did that mean exactly? I'd, I guess I didn't fully understand it. Probably should have checked into that a little bit more. After winning it, then I realized, well, shoot, now I, if they win the appeal process, they actually get that money. And, um, you know, which not only do I lose the million dollars that we needed or, or thought we had won, but I'm also giving it now to my competition to, to help compete with a you know, a company that doesn't have those funds to, to, you know, work with in the first place. So, um, and there's stiff competition as it is. And so now here I just gave them another million dollars to, to compete against me, which was definitely frustrating once I figured that out, how that worked. Now, one of the, the challenges is, and I think I have to look at the actual legislation, but it is not supposed to be the case that CenturyLink can say, well, we're just going to do some DSL and we'll get the money and that will deny it to clear networks because they should be having to do something that's functionally similar, right? And yet it sounds to me like through the appeals process, maybe the people that were hearing the appeal uh, didn't really understand the technologies involved or were confused or something. Can you walk us through how that happens? Because I think in theory, if CenturyLink comes back and says, well, we could do DSL here, the, the board should have probably said, well, that's not what's being proposed. You know, we could spend a lot of money and get a really great network, or we could spend a little bit less money, but still a fair amount of money and get nothing that's great. And not only on top of that, but like something that we'll need a subsidy in five more years anyway to upgrade. Right. Yeah. Well, that was the the process. They had to come back with a plan that was sufficient and similar to our plan. Um, So we, we presented what we wanted to do. They were then given that plan to, to look at and figure out um, their plan and how they would tackle the same problem in Ridgeway with uh, getting service. And so when they came back, their plan was to provide DSL and to upgrade some of their, their equipment to be able to provide faster speeds, but also to, you know, to still stick with the same DSL technology or maybe a little bit better DSL technology, but still using copper. It sounds like it wasn't exactly clear and they were kind of, um, I would say nebulous, which is, you know, it's smart of them to do that because they won. <laughs> but they were sp- specific on what, what they were going to do as far they are going to pull fiber to a couple of their um, D slams and, and upgrade the equipment inside of those, uh, you know, equipment racks for, for them to be able to provide better service in that area. But it was still a uh, copper to the premise technology, um, depending on, um, you know, what technology they use necessarily is, I guess, uh, indifferent to me. <laughs> it's not fiber. It's, mm-hmm. it's something different. And um, so the first appeal, when they brought that back, the the board did say, well, that is not similar. But then, then so we actually won that first appeal and they were denied. Um, but then the second appeal, they, they came back again the second time and said, well, we're still going to use DSL, but we're going to offer 100 meg service. And we had also said we're offering a hundred meg service, and so at the uh, during the board discussion, it kind of became we're both providing a hundred meg service, not really ones on DSL, ones on fiber, as much as we're both providing a hundred meg service. To me, it just seems ridiculous knowing the technologies because it's kind of like saying I'm going to build an interstate and they have a dirt road. But they're arguing you could drive 100 miles an hour on our dirt road too, <laughs> right? Which is not correct and is not a proper comparison. Um, so it's and only in one direction. I mean, we never even talked about upload speeds or or what that meant. Right, and of course, you know, you were going to be providing 100 megabit, but that wasn't the ceiling. You could go much higher. Yeah, that's where bit. we started, right? Exactly. So, um, so I mean, to some extent, did you feel like the board? 
really had a sense of, of what was going on or did they just have a sense that they were doing apples and apples and one cost less? Well, I think, you know, it was kind of a perfect storm. The, there was just a lot of weather that day. Not The entire board mem- membership did not make it to the, the meeting. There was some board members that definitely had the technical knowledge to understand the difference. And I think there was some board members that are just community officials that, you know, 100 megabits means the same thing to them no matter what the technology and so I probably, you know, needed to educate the board a little bit more and, and didn't fully understand that, that I, you know, I assume the board members all understood the difference. And, and it sounds like in this decision, they could not or use technology as a deciding factor. I mean, it had to be um, agnostic to technology and, um, which is a piece that I feel like needs to change somewhat with that money. It doesn't make sense to spend money on an old technology. Like you said, that's going to need to upgrade it again in five years. Mm-hmm. Why waste that money now? Well, and when you say agnostic to technology, I think if I understand correctly, like they shouldn't be choosing fiber over DSL just because it's fiber. But on the other hand, I think, you know, you're taking a lot of responsibility when, in fact, I would say it's bad policy if we're expecting small business owners to become like expert arguers in front of boards on these policies. Like that's not a good way of doing it because it will always privilege the companies that have lots of lawyers. Um, But if you had argued that you were going to offer a gigabit or even 10 gigabit or something like that, then probably they would have had a reason to go with you. Um, or if, if there was able to bring the upload in and you could make that understanding. Well, and I had, we had, we had to provide what we would, would charge for services and I had a gig service on there. Mm-hmm. The board members, I don't think fully knew our package or what we were offering. They probably read all the different proposals, you know, three or four months ago. And by the, the time this, you know, this process was happening, they had forgotten that we were offering a hundred megs and a gig, you know, they just started talking about a hundred megs because that's what CenturyLink brought up. And I didn't, I didn't have the ability to argue or to bring bring up. Well, we're also offering a gig, so I definitely felt like if they would have known and read the the proposals again, you know, before that board meeting, it would have been completely different. But it was what I brought up in that twenty minutes I had to talk, and and I didn't discuss speech all that much because I felt like that wasn't even in question anymore. We had that first appeal process went over that and and they said that the the speeds were not even a question that our speeds were way faster so so the second appeal was more about the number of people being served and and CenturyLink argued that they were servicing about 1050 which is the population size and I was arguing I was offering speeds or a connection to 565 buildings which, which is, is the correct measure <laughs> And I mean, know, I, I we don't, can sit there and argue that, but yeah, I don't know about you, but um, my son lives in my home. He's another person, but he does not pay a separate bill for our Comcast line. Right. <laughs> well, that was my point, but that didn't seem to go over quite with the uh, the board and and our maps were identical. I, that's what I had, I brought to the the second up, um, meeting was our two maps, and I put them up on the board and showed that our maps were identical. But um, you know the 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 number of people in question was definitely a, a point that they made and decided, I think, to give it to CenturyLink based on their numbers versus mine. So CenturyLink is doing something with copper now. They didn't get the full amount you would have got because um, our, their costs are lower because they already have some infrastructure there. Do you know roughly what they got? It was about 850000 Wow. So rather than giving you a million dollars and getting fiber to every home, they gave CenturyLink $850,000 to basically get slightly better DSL and, and presumably for some locations, maybe a hundred megabit um, download because like I'll just, 
There's been a lot of talk in the industry over copper about this GFAST standard, which allows you to get much higher speeds over um, copper, but it's very limited and in terms of distance, and it requires pretty uh, high-quality copper that a lot of times you don't find in communities that have had networks for a while that have been being used and, and um, just suffered environmental degradation. Right, which is a concern of mine, of mine in that town uh, where – you know, with Deep D Digital, we have a number of customers that have DSL in that area. And and the copper's been cut up a number of times. They're doing a, a road project right now where they're paving all the roads in Ridgeway. And so they've been digging up the streets. Things have gotten cut. The CenturyLink repairmen have been out there splicing stuff back. And, and it's an old plant anyway. It's been there for a while as it is. And now I feel like in the last two years, it's, it's been beat up even more. And so to try to get good service on, on that copper just seems like a challenge for sure for CenturyLink. Do you have any sense of a timeline for when this project has to be completed? And, you know, we'll have a sense of whether or not CenturyLink is delivering on what it claimed it would be doing? Yeah, they have one year to, to complete it. And I think they've already started. I've seen them out there working. So Okay. I don't know who follows up. I'm sure we'll see that it's completed. I don't know how many people are going to let us come into their house and do a speed test and see if we're getting 100 <laughs> megs or not in their living room. But I hope that a few will because this is one of the things that, that is another Achilles heel of these kinds of programs is that follow-up because I think, once again, um, if you have an incumbent that that is, is trying to prevent losing customers because CenturyLink knows that fiber is going to um, is going to offer a much better product than they can offer. And so they would have had to use their own money to compete if you had brought fiber in. They would have not offered as superior of a product. And so for them, even if they later get fined or something or some of the money gets taken away, they've gamed the system. They've won. It's, it's, you know, there's, it, I, I find it hard to believe that anyone's even contemplated what penalties would be that would be appropriate to what they've done to prevent competition. Well, it hurt the community, Ridgeway. I mean, I've, I definitely am not going to build the same network that I was planning on building with that million dollars. Um, and I still, we're still building in that community and there'll still be some competition, but to get it to every business and, and residential location is going to be a challenge for sure. And I think that's definitely hurt the community as far as um, the the competition build out in, in that area. And I think CenturyLink for that purpose definitely won because they don't have to deal with me for that. Right. Well, fortunately, though, you're undaunted. You're looking for other opportunities to expand and, and to um, improve access in Colorado. Well, there's definitely a part of me that wants to figure out a different way of getting it done there for sure. And and we've we've actually started working with the power companies both in Montrose and in, in Ridgeway to to see what we can do to get fiber to that community still. Great. Well I'm I'm glad to hear that. But it is frustrating to know that eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars basically went to making it harder for people in Ridgeway to have good internet access. Sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's too bad. Thanks for coming on and, and sharing the story. Yeah, thanks. That was Christopher with Doug Seacat, owner of Clear Networks, talking at Mountain Connect. We have transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and all of the podcasts in the ILSR podcast family on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Never miss out on our original research. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. 
We want to thank Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And we want to thank you for listening to episode 256 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast.